You know, folks, we are going through the letter to Galatians. We've entitled this series, Accepted. You and I are accepted by God, and that acceptance actually brings about a benefit, which is what I've called the secondary title here, you know, experiencing grace day by day. God continually shows grace to you. Now, he starts out this letter, it's very interesting, he starts out this letter, first of all, not with his normal prayer of thanksgiving for them, but he starts out the letter, we saw this a couple of weeks ago, by pointing out that they have been deceived. And I kind of brought to you that you and I have a tendency to be deceived in the same areas. And that is, we have allowed people to come and talk to us, come and influence us, about this whole issue of how to be accepted by God. And you say, well, I already know I'm saved, George. No, no, but this issue of acceptance, you may be totally shocked that you have been deceived into thinking that some things that you are doing right now affect that acceptance with God. Whether you're doing all the right things or whether you're struggling with a sin issue, somebody has come alongside of you and suddenly whispered, maybe not whispered, maybe even yelled at you, that you need to be doing this or you shouldn't be doing that if you're a good Christian. And then what Paul does then is he tells them that that's wrong, they're being deceived, the people who tell you that are accursed. He then goes on and he gives his personal testimony, really defending himself to the people that he started. He started that church. He defends himself and his apostleship and his message with them. And we saw that last week where he talked about the nature of the gospel. So this week, we're actually going to look at his a little bit the last part of his testimony where he has two confrontations with two groups of people and it, the whole issue is about being true to yourself. You ever had somebody tell you that you needed to be true to yourself? Well, I want to expand upon that a moment and talk about you being true to who you are as a believer. So let me set it up for you. Okay, I want, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. All right? So, when you think about your salvation and the grace of Christ that was shown to you and I, okay? So I want you to think about that for a moment. Did it have anything to do with who you are? Meaning, did it have anything to do with your background? Did it have anything to do with your education level? Did it have anything to do with what home you grew up in? Does it have anything to do with where you live now? What side of the railroad tracks you grew up on? You know, you ever heard that? You grew up on the wrong side of the railroad tracks? You know, you know, I, I, I feel kind of in a weird position down here on, on Anderson Avenue where I actually have two sets of tracks on both sides of our house. So I'm, I'm in between the tracks, so to speak, you know, you know, so, what, what, it has nothing to do with that, right? Ask, ask yourself, does it have anything to do with who you are? No, no, nothing. So, does it have anything to do with what you did? You, you, you came to church a lot, you gave a lot, you served a lot. 
you 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 danced and hopped on your leg one um, you know for 15 minutes on one leg holding your head and rubbing your belly at the same time did it have anything to do with that no you're saying well can you even do that no but it seems like when you think about religion it makes you want to do these jump through all these hoops a certain way no it has nothing to do with that see salvation has only to do with who folks Jesus and faith in what he did for you. Right. All right, we're all in agreement. So let me ask you something. God's continual acceptance of you, God's showing of grace to you continually, and the picture in the New Testament is that it's grace upon grace, kind of like being at the ocean where you see wave upon wave, right? Right? It just keeps happening, wave upon wave. It's grace upon grace in your life. Does that have anything to do with you? Does it have anything to do with who you vote for? Does it have anything to do with how much you give in the offering? Although, now listen, some preachers might tell you it does, right? Mark those in your mind. Because you're answering the proper answer is no. No, it doesn't. It does not. Nothing. See, your acceptance with God, who does it have to do with? Jesus. But why is it we allow other people to influence our thinking? Why is it that we allow other people to question the validity of your faith for other things that have nothing to do with what faith is supposed to be in, right? See, this is the issue he's getting at here. See, you have to be true to yourself. What do you mean true to myself? You have to be true to yourself as a believer in Jesus Christ that your acceptance with God is based on nothing else than the finished work of Jesus Christ. Period. And that he is the one who saved you. He is the one that is continuing to save you. What do you mean continuing? Well, you're in a process of sanctification. What's that mean? God's working out all the rough areas in your life, folks, right now. Is anybody perfect here? Perfection only comes when you go to be with Jesus, right? Then you'll be perfect. So he's saving you, and, and you will be saved. Salvation is expressed in an action that's happened by faith, an action that continues to happen even now, an action that will be complete when we go to be with him. But does that, any of that have anything to do with you? Does any of that have anything to do with you? We need some coffee flowing here this morning. Let's, does it have anything to do with you? No. All right, yes, feel, mean it. I kind of wonder if if you're like the Super Bowl's tonight. It wasn't last night, okay? So here, here's the thing: you've got to be true to yourself. Now, how are we going to see that? Well, we're going to look at the first sixteen verses of chapter two, and we're going to see these two confrontations. He's going to continue his story, his testimony, and he's going to talk about two different incidents, and from that. We're going to learn some lessons here to help you to understand that your acceptance with God is not about what you do and who you are. It's about Jesus. 
So listen to what he says. Look with me at verse 1 of chapter 2. This is Paul talking his testimony. Okay? Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem and took Barnabas and also took Titus with me. By the way, folks, Barnabas is, of course, is a Jew. Titus, Greek name, is a Greek, a Gentile. Okay? Gentile believer. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that the gospel which I had preached among the Gentiles and communicated to them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission, even as for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seemed to be something, whatever they were, makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seemed to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me as for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised, also worked effectively in me towards the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I was eager to do. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when he, they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their, hypocr with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, lived in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to divide this into two confrontations. We see there's two different stories going on here, right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to get four points out of each story. And I want to relate them to you so that you understand how you need to be true to yourself and who you are in Jesus. Now, we need to understand, here's the common definition I'm going to give you as far as who you are in Jesus. Here it is. It's very simple. You're a sinner 
saved by grace. Pretty simple, isn't it? You're a sinner saved by grace. That's it. Nothing to do with you. Everything to do with Jesus, right? All right, so let's look at these two confrontations. Two important confrontations we're going to see here. The first one has to do with Paul journeying to Jerusalem. This is referred to in Acts as the Jerusalem Council. It had to do with a controversy at the time. The Gentiles up in Asia Minor and all the areas where Paul was ministering to, he had started all these churches giving them the gospel of grace and Gentiles were coming to faith. Well, they had these Christian brothers coming up from Jerusalem and they were showing up and, and they didn't like that these Gentiles were coming to faith and they were not keeping the law. What do you mean not keeping the law? Well, in their mind, first of all, if they were a male, if you were a male Gentile, you had to be circumcised according to the law. And they were also saying that you had to eat the same way as they did. Keep the dietary laws, keep the festivals and the new moons. Paul comes along and says, whoa, 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 no, no. No, that has nothing to do with acceptance. God is accepting these Gentiles for who they are because they have faith in who? Jesus. So there's this big controversy. So by revelation, by God moving him, he and Barnabas and Titus, they take bring along one of the Greek brothers to go down to Jerusalem and to discuss this issue. So Paul is giving you his perspective of what's going here. And we see that. So here's the four things I want you to see here from this. Okay, Four things to help you to understand. And I'm going to talk about it with you. Okay? First one, we look at verse 3. Look at verse 3, chapter 2. Notice this statement that Paul makes. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. What's he talking about here? Well, he's saying that when he brought Titus down and met with the apostles, that means he met with, with Peter and the apostles there and James, who is the brother of Jesus, who was the pastor of the Jerusalem church, they did not feel the need to compel Titus to be circumcised. So here's the point I want to make to you. The gospel does not impose additional requirements on your life. The gospel does not impose additional requirements on your life. But my goodness, today in Christianity and in our churches, you would think if you came to Christ, then all of a sudden you've got to change all these other things according to the preference of somebody else. I think you understand what I'm talking about. Some places you go to today, they even are stressing to you who you need to vote for. Now, we don't take a political position here at our church, and we're not going to. But I'm telling you, there are places today that they are telling you who to vote for and who not to vote for. But I'll be honest with you, fine, that's wonderful. But that has nothing to do with church. has nothing to do with the gospel. That's for you to talk about later at a burger joint fussing with each other. And that's usually what ends up happening, right? Not in a church. Because that has nothing to do with the gospel. Who you vote for has nothing to do with your acceptance with Jesus, right? 
Do you understand? The gospel does not impose additional requirements on you. You need to gain that understanding. Now again, remember we talked about this last week. I am not talking about the issue of obedience. Obedience is not what you do for acceptance with God. Obedient comes as a result of the acceptance with God. Do you understand? It comes, I'm obedient to the Lord because he has shown me grace. Because he has loved me. Because he has forgiven me. Now I'm going to do what he asks me to do. I don't do what he asks me to do so that I gain his love. His love's already there, right? See, that's what's coming on here. The gospel does not impose additional requirements on you doesn't impose that on you. Look, man, I think back to when I first got saved. I listened to a little bit more of a rocky contemporary Christian music. And I remember the Bible study group that I went to where there was foundational in me coming to Christ. Some of the leaders telling me, too much drums in that music. Listen to that guitar. He's bringing glory to himself. If you're a good Christian, you wouldn't listen to that. What would you listen to? Well, don't listen to that southern gospel. That's not good either. What? Hymns? What radio station plays hymns all the time? See, what they were doing is imposing on me what? Additional requirements. Now, you probably have your own stories about that, right? If you've been saved for a while. See, Paul's saying Titus felt no compulsion from anyone to do anything for his acceptance. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Look with me at verse 4 and 5. He says this, And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in, who came by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission, even for one hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Here's what he says. Bothered by your freedom, people want to impose on your life. Bothered by your freedom, People want to impose on your life. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, whether you like it or not, there is some well-meaning Christian out there who is looking at you and they're thinking, oh, well, it's nice that you know Jesus, but you need to do this as well. You ever had that happen? Let me give you a story, okay? So it's probably, you know, I've been here, it'll be 19 years in April, okay? So let's say about... I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I decided to do something that was a little avant-garde. That was a little on edge for a church. Because what I noticed was, is God was bringing people to our church who, well, they have some habits that I don't necessarily have. When I was a kid, I did it. But I understand if you have a habit that you can't break. And so... We, we had people who smoked came to our church. We still do. And, uh, but, but I began to notice that, you know, of course they wouldn't walk in here with a cigarette, but they would smoke up until the porch. So what would they do? They'd put out their cigarette and throw their butt on the ground, which is what you would do, right? You know what I'm saying? So I thought, well, you know, maybe the best thing for us to do is, looks kind of 
disgusting to have a bunch of cigarette butts laying in a corner. Let's, let's put out a smoke tree. Let's put out a standing ashtray. So I talked to the trustees because you just don't make that decision on your own. And so we did that. We, we put out a smoke tree. It's still out there right now. It's the second one. Somebody stole the other one. <laughs> Why? <laughs> just, just somebody did. Okay. So we, not during a service, I left it out. That was back when I would leave it out. Somebody came and stole it. Okay. Well, so we put that out there and, um, didn't think anything of it. I just thought I, I knew that would be, might ruffle some feathers in town, but ruffle some feathers from people who don't go here. And guess what? It did. What's the matter with that place? Don't they, they're, they're, they're accepting people who have smoke. I mean, seriously. When you come to Jesus, does it have anything to do with you smoking? No, it's all a preference, right? See, this is the issue that Paul's talking about, that there were these secret brothers, these, these people who were there, and they were spying out the freedom, and it was bothering them that you could think that you could do that and still think that you were okay with God. See, this is coming out of this argument here. Paul says, and look, notice what he said, they wanted to bring us into, what's the word there, folks, if you look at your text? Bondage. Bondage. You know, you should quit smoking. But it doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. It has to do with your health. Do you understand? That's reality. That's reality. So here, here's the thing. Be true to yourself. Don't, don't allow somebody to impose on you. They will impose on you. They will. They will. And here's the thing. Here's the, here's reality. Look at, look with me at verse six now. This is, this is so powerful. Brought from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism. Here it is to no man. Paul's attitude was, I mean, he's talking about the apostles. Let's stop for a moment. Would you and I say the apostles are somebody pretty significant? Would you and I say that? Yeah. We, we, and, and, and you might even say, yeah, the pastor is pretty significant. But you know what Paul's attitude was? Who are they? They seem to be important. Makes no difference to me. Why? Because he makes the point. God shows no favoritism to any man. So can I tell you, God doesn't bless me any more than he blesses anybody else here. He doesn't bless any of the so-called, quote, big-time Christians in America any more than he blesses you. Because he all shows us the same amount of what, folks? Grace. And salvation is the same for all of us. Listen, listen to what he, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. Again, telling us about this fact that God shows no favoritism. And you, masters, do the same to them, giving up uh, and threatening, knowing that your own master is also in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Here he's talking to masters who have slaves to treat them right because 
that slave who's a believer has the same master in heaven and God doesn't show favoritism to anybody. That's the reality. God doesn't show any favoritism. I'll never forget this happened years ago. You know, one of our biggest services here at our church is the Christmas Eve service. Now, some of you, I know you can't be here because you've got family obligations, but we will have a big crowd every year, a big crowd for our Christmas Eve service. And I remember one time we had some guests who came, and, and I was kind of like, wow, it's great that they came, and we talked to them afterwards, and the one thing the dude kept saying to me is, there's a lot of tattoos here. Well, yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. I don't have one. Don't plan on it. But God loves people with tattoos too. Right? And coming to Jesus, you just can't wipe it off. You know? This is, this is reality. This is reality. So here's what I want you to see. Here's the point. The reality is that God does not show favoritism to anyone. So why do you think he just shows grace? See, some of you here are in some serious bondage. Serious bondage, and I'll tell you how you're in that bondage. Okay, so right now you're going through something. Maybe it's been a difficult period. And usually that's what it is. It's not like a momentary thing, but it's like a period of difficulty. And you're struggling. And you're wondering, where is God? Where is God? Why aren't you helping me through this, God? Why aren't you helping me through this difficulty? Why am I going through this? Why am I going through this? And you begin to play some mental gymnastics. I'm just telling you, it's mental games. It starts up here, mental games in your mind. And so you begin to begin to wonder, okay, maybe this is happening because, and this is, it's good that you do this because sometimes stuff does happen as a discipline in our lives. But you begin to play mental games and you begin to wonder, well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong with you, God, in some way. Maybe, and that's a good question to ask because maybe there is sin. Sin does result in problems, okay? So, but maybe that's not the issue. But you begin to have these mental games in your mind. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe it's because I'm not giving enough. You know, the guys on TV said, if I gave enough and I had enough faith, God would bless me. No, it has nothing to do with that. Well, maybe, maybe if I, if I served enough. And so you volunteer for everything under the sun. No, it has nothing to do with that either. Well, maybe if I went to everything they had. At the church. That has nothing to do with that either. Maybe if I carried a bigger, bigger Bible with me to work. No, it has nothing to do with that. Maybe if I dress the right way or go to the church that dresses the right way. It has nothing to do with any of that, right? But you begin to play these mental games because you think that you have to do something to gain favor with God, right? That's the issue, isn't it? We're trying to gain favor with God, but what you see is, is God shows favoritism to who? No one! He shows grace to everyone. Period. Grace to everyone. That's the reality. That's the reality. So then that brings me to my final point from this, this first confrontation, and it's this. The only thing that the apostles said 
James and Peter and, and the apostles who were there in Jerusalem said to Paul, and this is the thing that Paul agreed with them wholeheartedly about, is this. Look with me at verse 10. Look at what it says. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. Now, isn't that interesting? Remember, we just got done looking at, in the series before this, in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. And remember, the very last parable was the, the parable of the goats and the sheep and how they're separated. And he looked to the one and said, you did this when I was sick and I was naked. You were there when I was in prison. You did this. And they said, Lord, Lord, when did we do this for you? And he said, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And he looked to the goats and he said, depart from me, go into everlasting punishment where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it's because you didn't do any of this. And they said, Lord, when did we not do this? And he said, when you did not do this to any of these, the least of my brethren, you did not do it to me. Remember I told you that the basis of judgment is faith, but it's faith that is lived out. James tells us the true religion is what? Ministering to what? The widows and the fatherless. So here's the point. Faith must be lived out in actions towards others. That's the issue. God accepts you for who you are, but out of that acceptance, you need to what? Live for other people. Be there for other people. Isn't that interesting? It comes right out here. I'm going to be honest with you. Most of my Christian life when I sat under teaching, we just kind of skipped over that part. It's not living for yourself. It's living for others because he saved you. Do you understand? You're not doing it to gain acceptance for him. It's because he accepts you that you what? Reach out to other people. That's the first confrontation. Now he comes to the second confrontation, and we see that in verses 11 through 16. So let me spend a little bit of time here. Here's what's going on here. So Paul's reflecting on, after that council, they're up in Antioch. Antioch would be, oh, a few hours, if we're going by car, a few hours north of Jerusalem. It would be in what is known today as Lebanon. And, and they're in the church in Antioch, and of course Peter comes up there, he's the apostle. And while Peter is there, he's intermingling with everybody in the church, including the Gentiles, it was no problem. Well, the problem was that some brethren came up from the church in Jerusalem who were kind of saying that you needed to keep the law. And so guess what? They show up, and guess what happens with Peter? Because people, Peter is what? A people pleaser. Peter decides, oh, I better separate from the Gentiles and sit with my Jewish brothers. And Paul sees that and he gets pretty ticked. So much so that he confronts Peter, not to himself, but in front of everybody. And these are the four points I want to bring out here. Because again, you've got to be true to yourself. Notice what he says. Okay, here's what he says. Look with me. First thing, look at verse 11 and 12. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they, they came, they withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. 
Here's the thing. You need to recognize it. There is a tendency to want to please certain people. There is a human tendency to want to please certain people. And I can almost guarantee you, you've done this. Let me, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Because I've done it. All right? So there you are. You are a believer in Jesus Christ. You recognize that he saved you and you're living your life and you're just going about life. And you're even with other people and you're doing the things that they're doing. But then let one spiritual warrior show up. Now what do I mean by spiritual warrior? Let one, quote, spiritual person that you perceive as being spiritual. Maybe not even from your church, but from another church who kind of presents himself as being holy. And he walks into the midst of y'all and all of a sudden you change. Now, your friends recognize you changed. Now, the dude that's the warrior doesn't recognize you changed. But you changed. Why? Because all of a sudden, let's use the word, you are intimidated. Because maybe how you were interacting with them, the guy who is holy doesn't approve of. So now you feel like you need to not act that way. Even though there's no law or anything that says you can't, but because the Holy One looks down on it, you change. What's going on there? You're a people pleaser. And you're worried about how you're looking. Do you know what I'm talking about? I will admit to you, I have done that many times. I would like to say that I don't do that anymore. But it does happen. How many of you would admit it's happened? Yeah, we all would, right? Guess what Peter's doing? Folks, Peter's the apostle! talked to a dude in Samaria and told him God would strike him blind and he did like that's got some powerful words right and he's worried about what some guy thinks of him see there's a tendency Paul's pointing out here to to want to please certain people see that's really what the issue is it's not about pleasing God so we have acceptance with God it's pleasing other people so that we have what acceptance with them isn't that what we pointed out earlier couple weeks ago here's the other thing here's the second thing that comes out of this it's a digression Paul points out verse 13 look at what it says and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy it ends up influencing other people it ends up influencing other people you trying to, because some guy in town says, this is what you need to be doing. You're like, okay, we need to do that. That ends up, when you start submitting to what some other guy says, that ends up what? Influencing other people around you. It's pretty subtle. Well, hey, we know, why aren't you doing this? We just, we just played this game the other, we just went to see a movie at the Ritz. Well, you know, we're not supposed to go to the theater anymore. 
That's not what good Christians do. And then guess what? You start influencing other people and all of a sudden nobody's going to the theater and Ritz anymore. It's just craziness. Craziness. By the way, I'm not advocating you go to the Ritz, okay? I'm just saying, if you have the freedom to go there, wonderful. I go there. I'm a Marvel man. Did you understand? Beat Thanos. Okay, never mind. It ends up in... You're influencing us, George. No, I'm not. Just chuck it out the window. Your acceptance with Jesus is not whether or not you watch a Marvel movie. Okay? But here's the thing. Here's the third thing. Look at verse 14. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter and before them all, if you, being a Jew, lived in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as the Jews? This leads to hypocrisy. This leads to hypocrisy. That's the issue here. It leads to hypocrisy. When you begin to think and act in a certain way that this is what it means to be a good Christian because some spiritual pillar acted this way or you're facing judgment from some group of people, you begin to live hypocritically because I'm going to tell you right now, let's just be honest. Okay, I, 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 when I first got saved, I was in a legalistic church. Nobody could keep all the rules. Will we all admit that? So let me just stop for a moment. Some of you, you, you were raised in strict churches. You were raised in strict churches where, where a, a, a level of morality that wasn't based on the Bible, was based on preference, was there. Did you hear what I said? Wasn't based on the Bible, was based on preference. And you had all these things, what you couldn't do, where you couldn't do, where you couldn't park. I mean, even where you couldn't park, you know? And you got all of this, and listen to me, and so you try to keep it all. Could anybody keep it all? No. And then you find out the people who are telling you to keep it all, are they keeping it? That's what Paul's saying here. You who are a Jew who's living like a Gentile is telling the Gentiles to live like a Jew? That's what? Hypocrisy. You gotta be true to yourself. What's true to myself? I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's all about Jesus saving me, not about me and what I've done. Do, do you understand? Do you understand? So then that brings up the final point that you need to see here. The final point is this. Look at verse 16. He just brings it all together. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. How are you accepted, folks? By works or by what? Faith in Jesus. All right, so here it is. Effort and actions do not bring acceptance with God. That's what he's saying here. Efforts and actions do not bring acceptance with God. 
You need to understand that. You need to live that. Do you know what happens when you start putting up these, what quote, moral, and that's always subjective because morality changes, non-biblical, I'm going to call it non-biblical morality. There's biblical morality that doesn't change. Everybody agree with that, right? You don't steal, you don't kill, you don't commit adultery. That, that's biblical morality, right? That doesn't change. That transcends cultures and ages. But there is, quote, other morality that we put up there, and it's based upon how the culture shifts, and the culture does shift, right? So let's talk about, we talked about earlier, tattoos. Let's talk about tattoos for a moment. I can remember growing up, only people who ever got tattoos were people in the military, and I grew up in the military, or people on the fringe of society. Here in the last 15 years, everybody has a tattoo now. Everybody and anybody. But I can remember preachers talking about it being evil. And they would point to Leviticus chapter 19 and tell you that you shouldn't have a marking. Okay. It was out of context. Well, by the way, if you want that discussion, go to the Finding Clarity podcast. I answered that question this week. But here's my point. So what ends up happening is, is when you keep stressing that, you have within your church somebody who was in the Navy and decided to get a big battleship tattooed on his chest. And he hears that every week about not having a tattoo. Guess what he thinks? I'm less than with God. Because I was stupid in Okinawa and had him tattoo a something on my chest. No, you're not less than in God. Because God doesn't look at your tattoo. He looks at your what? heart. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? Effort and actions do not bring acceptance with God. What brings acceptance with God? Faith in who, folks? Jesus. So what do we do with this? Here's the two points. Number one, you got to recognize this. The need for approval drives our spiritual actions. The need for approval drives your spiritual actions. You need to recognize that. Half the times the stuff that we think we need to do, it's because we feel we got to please somebody. It's not because of love for Christ. That's where it needs to come out of, is love for Christ. Not for acceptance with somebody. And I'll be honest with you, it's meaningless. The stuff we do as a Christian and it has nothing to do with Jesus has to do with what? Getting approval from somebody else. That's what's going on here. That's the whole point. Be true to yourself. You're saved by faith. You're a sinner saved by what? Grace. Here's the second thing. There is freedom in knowing that God accepts you through Jesus Christ. There's freedom in knowing that. Because look, folks, I want you to hear me. You are always going to have pressure from somebody, whether intentional or non-intentionally. Somebody is going to constantly put pressure on you that you as a believer need to be doing this, 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 this so that you can be accepted by who? God. And the reality is 
You're accepted because God accepts you through Jesus, not because of what you've done. Isn't that freeing? I want to be honest with you. That just like drops off the shackles of religion. Do you understand? That's why we say Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship, right? It's a relationship. Let me pray for you.